Is he still worthy of worship? Then it don't matter if we got a piano or not. That's right. It don't matter what we sound like. It don't matter what your neighbor sounds like. That can give you something to laugh about this afternoon, all right? (laughs) Just sing unto the Lord. We're going to worship and praise our God. He is worthy. He is good. He's faithful. We're thankful that you're with us today. Let's pray, and then we're going to stand to our feet, and we're going to sing with all of our heart today. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for life, the very fact that we can gather uh, together as a saint's And Lord, to hear your word, to study your word, to uh, fellowship with one another, I pray today, God, that now you would prepare our hearts as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Lord, as we don't have a piano. We pray for Miss Joanne that you'd give her relief with her back. But we do pray, God, that today that we just wouldn't care about what we sound like. We wouldn't care about what instruments play or don't play, but that, God, we would see you high and lifted up, that we would worship you, that we would adore you for who you are, for what you've done for us. Today, God, that you would get the glory in all things today. I pray that today that you would meet your people. Uh, with your word and with your spirit, Lord, that you would meet the need of every heart that's here. And God, that we might uh, just worship you today, be used of you today, and that you would prepare us as well for the many events and things to come, God, that we would uh, take uh, just uh, a, a sincere look at our hearts today, a sincere look at your word, and God, that we would see Christ today magnified and lifted up. We thank you for meeting with us today. And Lord, now we, we ask that you would just help us, lead us, guide us, and direct us, Lord, that you would be praised and worshiped today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house. I'm glad you're in the Lord's house. Amen. Well, we're going to try singing here for God's honor and glory without piano. And we're going to go to Mexico, Acapulco. Okay? Acapello, we're going to sing. So if you're able, please stand with us. And uh, we'll sing Give Thanks. That's hymn number 170. Give thanks. That's something we should be reminded of every hour and every day. Psalm 126.3 tells us in the word of God, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And if we just pause a few seconds, think about what God has done for us, we would want to give thanks back to our wonderful Heavenly Father. Give thanks. And if I can get started on the right note. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks. Amen. Remain standing. Jesus is coming again. Hymn number 753. That was a often mentioned phrase in the pastor's Sunday school lesson this morning. Jesus is coming again. And going to take us out of this old mess of a world. Amen. Amen. John 14.3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will. And that hit me this morning when I was reading that again. I will. Jesus said that himself. I will. Boy, you can count on that. Amen. I will come again and receive you unto myself. John 14.3. Jesus is coming again. Sing with us. 
Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. First Peter 1 8 tells us, Whom having not seen, ye love. Only Jesus can do that. Amen. Amen. Oh, how I love Jesus. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Amen. Now, First John 4, 19 tells us that. We love him because he first loved us. Nobody sit down yet, unless you give them out. We're going to have a little welcome, a little handshake. And, uh, yes, you can move around and have a handshake if you want to. And nobody's going to make you. And uh, make everybody welcome. Say hello. Wave. Smile. Glad you're here and all that stuff. Glad you here. All right. Good game. Good game. Good game. Amen. Behold our God.
Okay, good to get around, shake a hand or two. Everybody make her way back to their seats. We got a very special song now by Miss Ann Stone. So Miss Ann, you come on and sing for honor and glory to God. Of your glory, 
still forgives us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for his amazing grace. All right, join with me in prayer as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for all the rain you give us in the last two or three days, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and daily benefits. And Lord, you, uh, your mercy, Lord, your help, your protection your refuge in the time of storm, Lord, and we praise you and thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that our pastor's back with us, and we lift him up to you this morning. Ask, Lord, you touch him, and, Lord, give him strength and help him to preach your message this morning with power to bring honor and glory to you, to your people, Lord, and help us to receive your message from your man this morning. And, Lord, help us to be obedient unto thy word. And always, Lord, follow you. And, Lord, when we do slip and fall, Lord, you're there to pick us up and forgive us. And we praise you for that message in the song just now, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless in the service. Lord, encourage hearts, convict hearts where needed, Lord. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that we gathered here today in your name. And I pray, Lord, that we would honor you and glorify you as we assemble together here today. Thank you for this place we can attend and assemble together in. We love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you would, stand one more time. And we'll sing this song, a very special song to me, Behold Our God. John 1.29 says... The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold our God. Amen. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King. Nothing can compare, come let us adore him. Who has given counsel to the Lord? Who can question any of his words? Who can teach the one who knows all things? Who can fathom all his wondrous deeds? Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our King, nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. Who has felt the nails upon his hands, bearing all the guilt of sinful man? God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to reign. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold 
Well, it's good to be back here in the Lord's house with you guys. There's nothing like gathering to worship with the saints of God. I hope you realize this. We have such a privilege that we have the freedom to worship the Lord, but even if that freedom by our government or anyone else in this world was threatened or taken away, the Lord has still given us the privilege. He still deserves the worship. He has still directed the worship. Uh, Today, whether we've got pianos, whether we didn't have nothing, whether we didn't have pews, whether all we did have was just a little red barn, whether all we had was just a tree to meet out back, whether we lost everything. Let me ask you, did, did you think about this thought? What if this church building was sitting at Fort Myers a week ago? And then we came here and it won't hear no more. Would the worship go with it? Oh, see, my dear friends, worship does not begin or end with a building. As a matter of fact, buildings have hindered plenty of worship. It does not begin or end whether our pianist is out sick or not. I thank God for that woman. But I also thank the Lord that whether we got a piano, whether we got guitars, whether all we've got is voices as bad as some of us might sing, mine being the first. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I married someone who can sing. She sings for both of us and I talk for the both of us. I thank God. That to you and I, a cappella this morning, how many of you all felt awkward? Anybody? You can be honest. One of you, one of you is honest. Good, good. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Everybody else just felt all spiritual this morning? Good, I hope so. You know something, we know that there's a great deal of worship in heaven. We know that there's a great deal of folks who have gone on to be with the Lord. We know that the Lord has used people throughout the ages who have used music and instruments to glorify Him. But I thank the Lord that nothing sounds sweeter to His ears than a heart that is surrendered to Him. I would tell you this morning, it does not matter what we sound it like, God's still worthy of worship. It doesn't matter what you think you sound it like, God's still worthy of worship. It doesn't matter if we ever have the sound of a piano or a guitar or a fiddle or a banjo in this church again, God's still worthy of worship. He's still worthy for us to enter into His courts and his gates with singing and thanksgiving and that he's given us a new song to sing anyways notice he said he gave us a new song not a new instrument we can sing that song whether we got anything to play with or not take your bible turn with me to first peter chapter one this morning first peter chapter one some of you older saints have watched church change an awful lot I'm 28 years old, and I've watched church change a lot. I've been pastoring seven years, and I've watched church change more in the past two, three years than I've ever seen it change. Much of which we weren't prepared for, much of which we didn't want, and much of that change might not ever change back. Nevertheless, as we talked about last week, we serve a God who does not change. We serve a God who is not changed or challenged by anybody or anything in this world. We serve a God who remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We serve a God who no matter what comes in the church, no matter what will affect us or come our way in this world or in your life, that He is still worthy. He is still upon His throne. And so shall He ever be. And it is time that we heed to the songs that we sing. We behold the throne of grace and we realize what grace can do for us. We realize the grace that is bestowed to us daily. We realize the God in heaven who does not need you, but yet loves you and wants you. You think, think about this. 
heard this yesterday and it really struck with me. Do you realize that God uses imperfect people? You know why? Because that's all He's got. Heard that yesterday from a preacher and I'd never thought of that before. That the perfect, holy God of heaven desires your worship. And I know this. Nearly every time I've ever offered worship to the Lord, nearly every time I've sung, I don't know how many times I've given Him improper or imperfect worship. But I know this, that there's coming a day where I won't have to worry about that no more. The greatness of heaven is not the folks that are there or the beauty of heaven. The beauty and the greatness of heaven is that the Lord is there. Church ought to be the same. Our life, devotionally, daily, our work life, our home life, all parts of our heart and mind and body must be unto the Lord. You want to know what church is all about? Him. You want to know what singing's all about? Him. You know what giving's all about? Him. You know what serving's all about? Him. You want to know what fellowship's all about? Him. Let's go on down the line. You know what worship's about? Him. Discipleship's about? Him. Fellowship's about? Him. Outreach? Him. Means all things of our life in the church and outside of the church are about Him. And when it's all about Christ, it doesn't matter what I sound like and what affects my life because He remains unchanged, unaffected. Read with me verse 3 through 5 today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a sermon right there. Which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let us pray. Lord God, we want to thank You that we could sing. Lord, we want to thank You that we can worship You in spirit and in truth. We want to thank You that we can gather and we can fellowship today. We want to thank You, God, for the reading of Your Word. We want to thank You, God, for the things that You've already done in hearts today and the things that You'll continue to do. God, we just thank You for being God, for meeting with Your people, that You, the God of heaven, the God upon the throne of the universe, would desire to meet with us, Your people, God. We're imperfect. We're unholy. We're impure at times in our thoughts and in our hearts. But God, we come to You today because only You can change us from the inside out. Only You can give us the grace that is needed to strengthen us and sustain us through this life. God, we thank You for meeting with us today. We thank You for Your Word. We pray, God, that today, that through the power of Your Spirit, through Your Word, God, that You would accomplish what You set forth, that You would save a sinner nearest hell. God, that You would encourage a saint that, that is down and discouraged. God, that You would convict the one that needs conviction, God. I pray that You would guard my heart and my mind and every person in this place today, God, that You would fill us with You. Lord, that You would speak to us today and meet the needs as You see fit. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, we're going to look here. That's all about Him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to see that it's about His praise. Church and all parts of church is about His praise. When we worship, it's not just singing. We worship when we hear the Word of God preached. We worship as we make disciples and become disciples. We worship Him and we fellowship with Him as we fellowship with one another. That is to worship the Lord. You realize that, right? You know that that time of shaking hands is to glorify God? Why? Because as we come together in unity, in the body of Christ, what happens? God is glorified and we are strengthened. We realize we're not alone. We realize that we're not an island. We realize that God works in us and through us and is building His church. He always is. He always has been. That's what He said He would do. It's His promise. We'll look at that here in a little bit. But then we also find that worship takes place as we outreach, as we, uh, we witness and we evangelize, that everything is to be to His praise. The moment you wake up, Praise the Lord. The moment you go to bed, praise the Lord. The moment you wake up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you can get up and go. Praise the Lord when you got to go to work. Praise the Lord when you leave work. Praise the Lord when you got a good home life, and praise the Lord when you don't, because there's coming a day where everything shall praise the Lord, so we better get used to it now. The church should be known for the praise of Almighty God. Look at this. 
He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed here means to be praised, to be glorified, to be adored. I love the song that we've just sung, Come Let Us Adore Him. We hear that at Christmas time a lot, right? Uh, oh, oh, come let us adore Him, right? We think about the little baby in the manger. You know something, when I hear the phrase, come let us adore Him, I don't just think about the little baby in a manger. No, I think about the cross. I think about the empty tomb. And I think about the very throne room of grace today of where the Lord rules and reigns and dispenses His grace to His needy people. That's you and I. And He displays His glory for all to see, to draw people unto Himself. That is the God worth praising. That is the God who is blessed. And I will tell you this, the more that we bless God, the more that we find that we're blessed. I'm not talking about the things of this world. It's not talking about an abundant life and a blessed life. It's not one where you've got a car for every day or even a change of clothes for every day or a big savings account. The blessed life is one that praises the Lord. You want to know why you feel so unblessed by God? It's because you ain't blessed His name in an awful long time. The reason why we feel so stressed, the reason why we feel so distant and so far from God is because we are half the time. The reason why we feel these things is because we could live in the blessed presence and praise of Almighty God, but we choose to be all upset and all in the flesh and all a fuss when things don't go our way. I want want to help you out this morning. You know what's going to go your way in life? Not much. Most of y'all already knew that. Some of y'all got a little bit more experience of things not going your way, but you know this? There is a blessing that we find all throughout the Scripture that the man of God, the woman of God can be blessed by God, but it's found. These blessed men and women of God in the Scriptures, you know why we see that they seem to be so blessed? Because they know what it means to praise the Lord. I think about the Apostle Paul. He knew what it meant to be rich. He knew what it meant to be poor. He knew what it meant to be clothed. He knew what it meant to be naked. He knew what it meant to be in a boat and it going fine. He knew what it meant to be shipwrecked. He knew what it meant to suffer. He knew what it meant to not suffer. He knew what it meant to praise the Lord. To bless the Lord. We find Psalms that say, Bless the Lord! Bless the Lord! Bless the Lord! Today, you know what the goal is of a worship service? To bless the Lord. You know what the goal of Sunday school was earlier? To bless the Lord. You know what tonight and kids club's all about? To bless the Lord. You know what come Wednesday night will be about? To bless the Lord. You know what your life is about? It is to be to His praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3 tells us this, a very similar fashion. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've heard that before. He says, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you are in Christ today, if you have put your trust in Jesus alone for your salvation, I want you to know this, you are blessed beyond measure. If God did nothing else for us except for save our soul, He's still been far too good to us. If He were to stop doing anything for you right now, you'd still be blessed. If He did nothing else for me, and left me to my own, God would still be worthy of praise. We think of people in the Scripture who were much more godly than you and I, and the Lord let them suffer at times, and yet they could still bless His name. They still saw that they must praise Him. I think of old Job. He had everything. He had all the comfort. And that's when the calamity comes. That's when the terror comes. And it came out of nowhere. We don't find anything where it says, you know, well, God did it to Job because Job misbehaved or had an off day or, or cursed God. Matter of fact, we find, he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll still yet praise Him. Though He slay me, yet I'll praise Him. We find Paul and Silas there in jail at the middle of the night after being beaten, singing praises to the Lord. And they didn't have a piano in the jail neither. They praised God. So much so that other folks heard it. If there's anything that our life should look like, it should be a life to His praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? As Paul had told us in Ephesians, because of these spiritual blessings, every blessing you have came from our blessed Lord in Christ Jesus. In Christ we are rich. In Christ we are strong. 
In Christ, we have power over sin. In Christ, we have victory. In Christ, we have assurance. In Christ, we have hope. Today, if you're not in Christ, come to Christ and live. Come to Jesus. Be born again. Trust in Jesus and you can experience an abundant life. You can experience a blessed life. And you can see why the God, our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is worthy to be praised. Our life is all about His praise. And look at this. As verse 3 continues, we find that church and our life and even this book, look at His pardon that He gives. You realize this. You'll never be able to truly praise the Lord for all that He is and for all that He has done until you see what He has done for you in your life. You remember the moment that you got saved? Boy, nothing would stop you from praising Him. Where did such a joy go? Now, now we sit here. We're half dead, half asleep, half something. We've lost our joy. We've lost it. Why? Has the Lord changed? No. Has He taken away your salvation? Oh no. And we'll look at that in a moment. Has He been unkind to you or unfair to you? No and no. My Lord's been nothing but good to me. My Lord has been nothing but patient and kind and gracious and long-suffering to me. Therefore, I ought to praise Him. But the reason why I can praise Him, the reason why here Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, because according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I can praise Him because Jesus was dead, now He's alive. I can praise Him because I was dead and now I'm alive to be alive forevermore. And even if I killed over today or tomorrow, I would be more alive then than ever before. Real life begins when I die in Christ. Real Christian life begins when you die and live in Christ. And He lives in you. And we surrender to Him in all things. Look at this pardon. How can we not praise Him when we see His pardoning work in our life? Sometimes I think that we forget what Christ saved us from. Many of us were saved, and we were pretty good people. Saved at a young age, we were saved in church, we did nothing too bad, right? None of them real bad sins. You know, it took the same amount of grace to save you as it did to save the drunk. It took the same blood to be shed to save you, to cover your sins, to atone for your sins and your wickedness. It took the same death, burial, and resurrection, the same gospel to bring you from death to life, to give sight to your blind heart. It took the same salvation. See, the reason why we've forgotten that moment is because we've lived so long with salvation that we forgot how wicked we actually were in our sin. We forgot how far from God we were. We forgot that we were enemies of the cross, even the most religious and good of us. Look at this. He says, which according to His abundant mercy. The reason why you were pardoned by God is not because you earned a pardoning. You couldn't do enough community service for God to go, oh, you know what? Time's up. You served your time. There you go. Or, or you, did, you did that community service. You're good to go now. Oh, no. We couldn't do nothing to be saved except ask the Lord to save us. It is through His pardoning, abundant mercy. Do you know what abundant means? It means a whole bunch of. It is overflowing with mercy. His mercy is everlasting. It is unending. It is unthinkable. It is unfathomable. It, mercy is given to those who need it. Do not think that you didn't need God's mercy to save you. You need all of God's mercy to save you. The very fact that any of us are saved is an act of God's mercy. It is His character. It is His mercy that saves us. It is His message that saved us. Look at this. The abundant mercy of God. That is His very character that He withholds from us the wrath that we deserved. And what did He do with that wrath? He poured it upon His own Son, Jesus Christ. The God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, poured that wrath upon His Son so that you would ex be able to have mercy. And look at his message. The message is this. That we've got a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We don't serve a dead Savior. We don't serve a dead God. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ who did die. And He died the death that you should have died. He paid the price that you couldn't pay. He who knew no sin became sin itself. The One who was holy. 
literally became accursed for you and for me because of the mercy of God for sinful man. He died. He went into that grave and rose again victorious. And by the way, when He died that death on the cross, He didn't lose that day. He was victorious then. God has always been victorious. Christ Jesus our Lord has been victorious from everlasting to everlasting, from eternity to eternity. He was victorious in the incarnation. He was victorious in Him emptying Himself for us. He was victorious in His daily life, in His walk, in His obedience to the will of the Father, and submission to the work of the Spirit in His life and ministry. He was victorious as He walked that walk to the cross. He was victorious as they drove the nails into His hands and His feet. He was victorious as the blood flowed. He was victorious as there in darkness His Father punished Him for crimes that we committed. He was victorious then. He was victorious in the grave. He was victorious when the stone rolled away. He's victorious today. How could we not praise Him when He has pardoned us so? How could we not praise Him and live for Him when He has extended His mercy? Mercy is not given to those that deserve it. It's given to those that need it. A withholding of what is deserved. What is deserved in my life today is the almighty wrath of God that His hand would not be upon me for blessing, but that His hand would be upon me to crush me like the worm that I am. That's God's mercy. That's God's graciousness. That's the pardon that we have in Jesus. Look with me in Psalm 13. Y'all still with me this morning? Y'all are either awful, quiet, scared, or meditating the goodness of God, and I hope you do a little bit of both. Psalm 13, verse 5 tells us this. But I have trusted in Thy mercy. You know how you got saved? You trusted in His mercy. You know what faith is? It is a laying down yourself and saying, Lord, Your mercy, because i got nothing. You know what a life of surrender, of consecration, a life that is called the Christian life, it is a life laid down upon the mercy of God. Lord, I'm Yours. Do with me as You see fit. I'm at Your mercy, Lord. And you know something? He gives His mercy. And He does greater things with drops of His mercy than what you and I could do with buckets of our talent. God is merciful. He says, but I've trusted in Thy mercy. Then because of that, look at this. And I want you all to pay attention to this. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. It's hard to rejoice quietly. I love the Redskins. And they're still the Redskins to me. Today they're going to play the biggest game of the year and no, it's not the Super Bowl. They're going to play them filthy, downright, no good, dirty Dallas Cowgirls. Somebody put amen right there. And if you're a cowgirl fan, you come on up to the altar. It's open. We'll pray for you. We'll get it right. We'll give it to the Lord. God can deliver anybody. His mercy's there for you. <laughs> if they somehow by God's mercy win today. And it would take His mercy to do so. I will rejoice. And you can ask my wife and probably my neighbors if it will be quiet or not. It won't be. They might have one good play and I'll... Yeah, that's right. I knew you could do it. Dear church, the Lord Jesus Christ saved you in your sin. Saved you from your sin. And now saves you from its power, by His mercy. Therefore, my heart will rejoice. Amen, somebody. That's right. <laughs> Amen. My heart shall rejoice in Thy salvation. Do you know that if you're in Christ, that you won't ever touch the tip of a flame of hell. And there are some souls that will touch more than the tip of a flame. They will be in torment because they did not receive the mercy of God by faith. Instead, mercy was extended and they said, we don't want that. We don't need that. 
Do you realize the depth of His mercy to save you? That He would pardon your sin. Not because you deserved it, but because He's merciful. Verse number 6, I will sing unto the Lord. Boy, that sounds like a real quiet, contemplative rejoicing, doesn't it? No, I will sing. Oh, I'll sing because I'm happy. I'll sing because I'm free. I'll sing because of His mercy. Because He hath dealt bountifully with me. He could have dealt justly. But instead, bountiful mercy flowed for you. This idea that Peter gives to us that He has begotten us again, obviously it reminds us the very fact that we have been born again. And there's a difference between being born again and thinking you're saved or being in church. Jesus preached it. John the Baptist preached it. The Paul preached it. Peter preached it. And we got to keep preaching it today. Ye must be born again. And lest ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. You must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means that we would not be what we used to be. And it does not come by going to church. It does not come by trying real hard or starting to do some good works and hoping your good outweighs your bad. It comes solely by trusting in the mercy of God. But this idea of being begotten again unto a lively hope, it reminds us even more so of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. You know what that means? They've passed away. They're gone. Behold, all things are become new. Everything about you, dear Christian, there is a newness there that wasn't there before. God didn't bring up something in you that you was just buried down deep in some sort of innate goodness. No, no. He made you a new creature. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. Christ and have given us given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation who did he impute the trespasses to to his own son so that his righteousness the righteousness of Jesus Christ would then be imputed to your account how has anyone ever been saved by the mercy of God, through faith. As we trust in Him, it is now faith counts to righteousness. Do you know His pardon today? Verse 4. The reason why His pardon is sure, the reason why His pardon is wonderful, the reason why we can praise His name, the reason why we can say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope. That's the idea of a living hope, by the way. Are y'all alive this morning? A lively hope? A lively, living confidence in Christ that He has pardoned me fully and freely, that His blood is still sufficient today, not just to save a soul, but to sustain a soul from the power of sin and this life, and that He will come again to receive us unto Himself, that there where He is, we may be also, that one day we shall forever be in the presence of God. Look at that. Verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Amen. Do you realize, look at this, verse 4, we're going to see His promise. The reason why we ought to have His praise upon our lips is because of His pardon. But the reason why I can trust in His pardon, it's because of His promise. God is who God is. When God says, I'll save you, I'll sustain you, I'll strengthen you, and I'll come again for you. He means exactly what He means. When Jesus says He will never leave you nor forsake you, dear believer, He will never leave you, He will never forsake you. When the Lord says that He is our strength, 
our shield, our buckler, our help in time of trouble. That's exactly what he is. When the Lord says that I've made you a new creature, that the old things are passed away, he means exactly what he means. What is another way of putting his promise? It's his word. When God says it, that seals it. Y'all have heard that before. It settles everything. That the account is settled because he has said it, not because I said it. It's because he's done it, not because I've done it. It's because of him. Our inheritance awaits. There used to be a day the saints of God used to long for heaven. There used to be a day when we used to say, even so come Lord Jesus. There used to be a day when we longed to be with our Savior. And it's because there used to be a day when we longed to be in church together. When the body of Christ comes together, you know what it's supposed to look like? About an hour and a half of heaven. It ought to make us want more of God. And when we leave from this place, our life ought to make others see their need of God. We see His promise here in verse 4, and because He's promised us an inheritance. You know an inheritance is not earned? It's just given. It's given by who? By our Father. He's given it to us not because we've earned it. And I haven't even built it up. He's already got it. He says to an inheritance incorruptible. Will heaven be corruptible? Nope. Will your inheritance be corruptible? No. You know why? Because He promises that it's incorruptible. This world is corruptible. My truck's paid for, but you know what it's doing? It's a Chevy, you can guess. It's rusting. But it still goes. But day by day, I can see a little bit more. Let's hit home. We're corruptible, aren't we? Day by day, it seems that we are more and more affected because the older we get, the more noises we make when we sit up or stand up or speak up the more difficult life is to live physically. You know why? Because this corruption one day is going to put on incorruption. This mortal is going to put on immortality. The moment we see Christ, it's done. He's promised this to us. That it's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It's pure. It's holy. It's righteous. It's good. And that fadeth not away. This life in this world, you know what it's like? The Bible tells us it's like a vapor. Fades away. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. Oh, that man would number his days. Because our days are numbered. If we'd count them up. If we'd understand that every second that we have is for the Lord and given by the Lord. And it's to be lived through the Lord. If we understood the preciousness of time, we might begin to understand the preciousness of of eternal things. We're stingy with our time. We're stingy with our talents. We're stingy with all sorts of things. But if we begin to understand that there's coming a day that you're going to get to heaven the same day that your loved one did. Matter of fact, from their end, they're not waiting too long. And from their end, they're not even too worried about this world because the Lord's there. And when the Lord's there, that's all that matters. You know what our inheritance is? You say, well, it's the streets of gold. Oh, it's that crown waiting for me. I get to cast at His feet. It's that river. It's that tree. It's that city. Psalm 16 tells us this. In verse 5, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. The Lord. The greatest thing of heaven, the greatest thing in my life, the greatest thing of eternity, the inheritance that awaits me, is I will see my God face to face. I will see the lips that moved and spoke this world into existence. I will see the lips that pressed and breathed life into my lungs. I will see the hands that were stretched out and bled for me. I will see the feet 
that walked the walk in this world, that lived a sinless life. I will see the hands that reached down and picked me up and cleansed me up, that drew me from the miry clay. I will see the hands that formed and fashioned me in my mother's womb. I will see the hands that hold me in this very second. That's my inheritance. Lastly, this morning, we see our inheritance there that awaits us. Matter of fact, he says it's reserved in heaven for you. You ever made reservations for a fancy restaurant? Around here, we don't have that problem, do we? <laughs> Praise the Lord, you can walk in anywhere. and Most of the time, it's just, find a table. Right? <laughs> I like it that way. Amen? But when you make a reservation at a restaurant, you go somewhere nice, what do you expect? You expect for that table to be waiting for you when you get there, don't you? Nowadays, you can't even hardly make a reservation. Now, if you go somewhere that used to take reservations, you know what they do? They say, well, you've got to get on our waiting list. So, so give us your cell phone number and, and go take a seat and we'll text you when the table's ready. Then you get the text message, you walk up and they say, oh, well, it's, it's being cleaned off. Just give us another minute, right? thought the text said I was ready. thought the reservation said it was ready. It was sure. It was done. When I think of heaven, notice this. He says it's reserved. When God reserves that table, when God reserves that seat for you at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there's nobody that's going to take your seat. There's nothing that's going to keep you from getting to that table. And it won't need waiting and it won't need cleaning. It's there already. Reserved in heaven for you, dear child of God. That's the promise of our inheritance. We've seen His praise. We've seen His blessed pardon by His mercy. We've seen His promise that we can hold on to. Look at verse 5. We see His power. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Do you know what keeps you? He does. Do you know what? keeps you assured of heaven? He does. Do you know what gives you power in your life over sin? His power. Do you know what gives you power to be used of Him? His power. Do you know what even gives you the strength to believe? His powerful, merciful hand. We are kept by His power. If I've been saved by His power, which you are, by the way, and now He tells me that I'm kept by His power. Do you know what can make you unsaved? Not a single thing. Do you know what Romans 8 tells us? That there's nothing that can keep us away from Him. There's nothing that can separate us from Him. There's no sin, not even Satan himself, nor anything that this world, visible or invisible, could ever throw. Nothing will keep us from the love of God. Nothing will ever keep us from seeing Him. I am safe and secure and held fast by His precious hand. It's by His power that I'm saved. It's by His power that I get to stay saved. Jesus said, in case you was wondering, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. My sheep come to me. My sheep are in my fold. And I'm the good shepherd. And I take care of them. I watch them. I protect them. I provide for them. I hold them in my hand. And they're in my hand. And I'm in the hand of the Father. And you tell me what can take you out of the Father's hand, what can take you out of the Son's hand, or what can take you out of His power. Not a thing. Turn with me just a couple pages over to a short and forgotten book that's full of wonderful truth. Jude. The letter of Jude here. You ain't even got to worry about what chapter. It's only got one. And we're going to look at the last two verses and we'll be done here. This is called the benediction or his doxology that Jude gives here. 
At the very end of this book, what he does is he just simply praises God and here's what he says. You want to see the power of God? You want to see the promise of God? You want to know the pardon of God? Look right here. Now unto Him. Who's that? That's, that's the Lord. That's Him. As we said at the beginning of this, it's all about Him. Now unto Him that is able. Whose ability? Whose power? His. To keep you from falling. That's His promise. That's His power. It's His pardon. And to present you faultless. Look at that pardon. Faultless. You know what I look like when God sees me? Faultless. You know what God sees even at times when I'm unfaithful? He sees the righteousness, the faultlessness of His Son Jesus. The old's passed away. All things are new. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. It is not just our joy to be kept by the powerful, merciful, wonderful hand of God. It's His joy to do so. It's His joy to hold you up, dear believer. It's His joy to clean you up. It's His joy to use you even in your imperfections because He knows you're imperfect. He knows your heart. He knows your motives. He knows your hair he, on your head. He knows the days that you'll live. He knows the day you'll come home. He just knows you. What a thought that is. Verse 25. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now, 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 that's today. That's right now. This, world, this word now, it's tomorrow. It's yesterday. It's a week from now. It's a week ago. Because you know when now is in the eyes of God? It's now. It's forever and forever. Now and forever. Amen. Dear child of God, are we praising Him? Do we know what it means to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Or have we lost our joy? Have we lost our assurance and our confidence? If you have today, don't look to yourself for confidence. Don't look to the preacher for assurance. Don't even look to the church Look to the one who bought the church, builds the church, and gives belonging to His church. Look to the one who holds all things in His hand. Look to the one, the only one who is able to pardon you. The one who has given us His promise so we have an assurance of it. And the one who by His power is able to keep you from falling. The one who is keeping your heart, your mind, your soul, your salvation, your sanctification, your glorification, and everything else you could ever name or think of, or everything else in between. But it keeps you. Not because of who you are, but despite who you are. Not because of what you've done, but because of who He is and what He has done for us. Today, dear church, we don't have a piano. Well, we do, it's just not going to be played. But this altar's open. Dear sinner friend, if you don't know that heaven's your home, look to this promise that He gives that He will save you by His mercy. Come and receive His mercy today. Turn from your sins and put your trust in Jesus alone and He will save you to the uttermost. Today, if you, dear saint of God, are struggling, if you have a hard time rejoicing today, Look to Christ and find all that you ever need to say, Blessed be the Lord our God. Blessed be Christ. 
Blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved me, who has pardoned me, who has given me His promise, and who keeps me by His power today. Let's all stand this morning. If you have a need today, would you come? Would you come?